The reading is taken from Acts, chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound, like the blowing of a violent wind, came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were, staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, Aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, What does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, They have had too much wine. This is the word of the Lord. Guy's going to come and share with us. What? Who's there? Oh, it's you. Yes, the teacher told me you'd be coming round. I was waiting for you, and I must have dozed off. Now, let me see. You want to know what happened on that day? Ah, it was such a long time ago. Of course you've come to the right person. A lot of folk will tell you they were in the city that day, but I was a lifelong resident of Jerusalem. In fact, my house was right next to where Peter, James and John and all the rest used to gather and for their meetings. That fact alone surprised a lot of us. I mean, the followers of Jesus staying in the very city where he had been put to death. Not that they caused any trouble, mind you. They obviously weren't the band of zealots that everyone had thought or hoped that they would be. If they were up to anything in the city, the authorities would have known about it pretty quick, I can tell you. Between the Roman spies, Herod, and the council of priests, you never knew who was watching you. Anyway, it was Pentecost. Nowadays, everyone associates it with this new faith, the great day when the church was born. But people forget that we Jews have been celebrating Pentecost for a very long time. First, it was an agricultural festival to celebrate the first harvest of the year and to give thanks for God's blessing. Over the years, though, it became more a celebration of God's gift of the law to his people. 
Each year, thousands of Jews from all over the region return to Jerusalem to celebrate their religious heritage, to dance, to sing, to reminisce, to gather together for worship in the temple. So it was not at all surprising that there were so many people around that day, so many excited people, so many people eager to rejoice and party. Peter and the others? Oh, there were probably only a hundred of them at most. Well, they had gathered at the house to pray and worship together. No, not that house. The authorities had torn down the original. Now, where was I? Right. Anyway, they were praying and worshipping. I could hear them through the open windows when suddenly there was the strangest sound. First, it was just a hint, a whisper of a breeze. Then the wind raced down the streets, rushing past the houses, sounding like a thousand chariots coming at us. One of the neighbours later said that it sounded like the first day of creation must have been like. I tell you, I dropped my tools and ran out into the street, just like everyone else did. Of course we were surprised. Actually, most of us were pretty frightened. I've never heard a sound like it since, and quite frankly, I hope I never will. Then I heard someone shout, Look at the house! meaning the house where Jesus' followers were. How can I describe it? It looked as if flames. Tongues of fire is what Luke called them later, I think. It looked like these flames were dancing around in the room. At first, I thought the cooking oil had caught fire and exploded. But then I noticed that nothing was burning. And that no one, and I mean no one, in the house was hysterical or even frightened. No. They just stood and watched as the flames filled the room. And the flames seemed to touch, without burning them, every single person in the house. It was an incredible sight. We were rubbing our eyes, pinching ourselves, looking at one another in wonder and fear. Then the words came. I think it was Peter at first, but then John, and then someone else, and then another, until all the disciples, every person in that house, were talking and chattering away. A man behind me shouted, Oh, they must be drunk. But a man standing near me said, No, I understand what he's saying. He's speaking a Mead dialect. A rabbi corrected him, No, my son, it's Aramaic. I heard a woman mutter under her breath, Men, it's clearly Egyptian that they're speaking. I'm no good at languages. It was all Greek to me. But everyone, I mean everyone, Roman, Jew, Turk, Cyrenian, Galilean, all the different nationalities that were standing there in the street, heard, each in his or her native tongue, what the followers of Jesus were saying. It was an awesome display of power and majesty. I felt like one of the ancient Israelites must have felt when God spoke to Moses from the mountaintop in thunder and lightning. Well, you know the rest. Peter came out of the house and spoke to all the people standing in the street. He had quite a crowd, believe me. What a sight. This uneducated fisherman speaking to a crowd 
composed of every race and nation of the world. You know, some say that the church was born on that day. Others say it was the day that the Holy Spirit came down. Me, I think it was the day Peter became the person God intended him to be. What a speech. So simple, but powerful. Do you know, it was so overwhelming that nearly 3,000 people were baptised into the faith. Yes, it was an incredible day, a day of miracles, a day in which lives were changed. What surprised me most? The most surprising thing about Pentecost were that the disciples were not surprised. I mean, the wind didn't scare them, the flames didn't panic them, the crowds didn't intimidate them. It was as if they expected it all to happen to them. The rush of wind, the touch of the flames, the speaking in tongues, the powerful sermon, the response of the people. It was as if somebody had told them ahead of time, if they only trusted, if they only believed, if they only had faith, that it would all happen just like it did. So what an amazing thing happened on Pentecost. People gathered in Jerusalem as they always did because it was that festival time, like a harvest festival. And the Holy Spirit came in an amazing way. And three things happened with the power of the Spirit. Three things that showed us that the Spirit was at work. I wonder if anybody heard the three things. Ben, can you give me one of them? Fire. Fire. Fantastic. Behind. Tongue. What, what, what do you mean by tongues? Speaking. So what were they able to speak in? In any language. Fantastic. And Joe, you're desperate. What's the third? Wind. So wind, fire, and being able to speak in different languages. Do you think they'd had to learn all their languages to be able to do that? No. Just automatically. They were able to... Can you do that? No. <laughs> I had to study languages at university. It took me a long, long time and I wasn't very good. And these disciples suddenly could speak in different languages. And the house they were in was filled with fire and was filled with wind. And yet, it seems as if they weren't overly worried. They seemed to know what was going on because this is the spirit that God had promised, that Jesus had said. Jesus had said to them, I'm going to be leaving you, but I'm going to send you the counsellor, the special one, who will fill you and you will know that I am always with you. So what an incredible day. And then events carried on. So the house had been filled with the Holy Spirit and then something happened to Peter. Perla, do you know what happened to Peter? What he was able to do? You might not have heard that bit. No, nope, don't worry. Anybody else hear what Peter did afterwards? After the Spirit had come, what was Peter able to do? Do you know, Ben? No, no worries. No worries at all. Peter, what job had Peter had before he met Jesus? Fisherman. Fantastic. Esther knows her Bible stories. Peter was a fisherman which meant that he hadn't really done much schoolwork. And he kept, all through the Gospels, getting it wrong. Whenever Jesus asked him a question, he came up with the wrong answer. Every single time. Well, not every time. But he was this bluff, uneducated fisherman. 
And he left the house and he stood up in the middle of Jerusalem and preached a sermon. And people listened to him, which doesn't always happen in sermons. So he must have preached really, really well. He preached and everybody understood and listened. And more than that, they wanted to know more about Jesus. Because they could see in Peter that he'd been changed. Something had happened to him. He wasn't the man they knew. And he spoke with passion and enthusiasm and clarity. And after his sermon, a large number of people were baptised, which meant that they were saying, yes, we want to be part of this. I wonder if anyone heard the number of people who were baptised afterwards. Did anyone hear that number? Perla. It wasn't three million, 3,000. But can you imagine 3,000 people all wanting to be baptised? How long would that take? You'd need an awful lot of people doing the baptising, wouldn't you? And no one was qualified to baptise either. Can you imagine 3,000 people saying, yes, we want something of what we see in you. We want to know Jesus. We want Jesus to be part of our lives. And 3,000 in one go came forward and said, yes. What an amazing day. But what is even more amazing is that the offer of the Holy Spirit is there for every single person who knows Jesus. It wasn't just a one-off event on that special Pentecost. The gift of the Holy Spirit is there for every single Christian. Everybody who knows Jesus can understand and experience and know the power of the Holy Spirit in their lives. And in the Bible, we have different pictures of the Holy Spirit. I have come up with one, two, three, four, five, six, Well, I've come up with six and then an extra one. I wonder if anybody knows any of the pictures that we use to help us understand the Holy Spirit. Perla. Fire is one of them, absolutely. Fire, and we saw that in that story. So coming as fire. What do you think fire means for the Holy Spirit? How would fire work? Is it sort of, it's quite powerful, isn't it? A glow of light in our lives, absolutely. So the Holy Spirit is fire, is like that glow of light in our lives. Any other pictures of the Holy Spirit that we know, Ben? The dove, absolutely. Do you know when the dove was first a sign of the Holy Spirit? It was a special event in the Bible. When the dove came down from the sky and landed on Jesus' head. Do you know what that was? Yeah. When was that? I think you're absolutely right, Joe. It was when Jesus got baptised and the dove came down and the voice said, this is my son who I love. It was the spirit coming down as a dove. Can you think of a picture? Sorry? I can't hear you. The cross. That's a good picture. That's a picture of what Jesus did for us. It's not usually used for the Holy Spirit, but it's a really good picture for us as Christians because it reminds us what Jesus did when he died on the cross. Anybody else? Joe? Water. Water is a good picture for the Holy Spirit. That wasn't one of mine, but that is one. That is a fantastic one. And what does water do? It's a sign of people getting baptised, and baptised is a showing of the Holy Spirit. Fantastic. So water we use in baptism and a sign of the Holy Spirit. And water cleans us, doesn't it? If you've got dirty hands. So the Holy Spirit can clean us and make us fresh and new. Any other images? We had one this morning. We've had... Fire. What was the other one this morning? Perla. 
wind. And that's powerful as well, isn't it? So sometimes the Holy Spirit comes as a real power in our lives. So, oh, no, I did have water. I did have living water. (laughs) I'd forgotten that when it was on my list. And there was another picture of the Holy Spirit as water. Because Jesus said, if anyone's thirsty, let him come and drink. So when we're really hot and we drink water, it refreshes us. So the Holy Spirit cleans us and refreshes us. We've had the dove, living water, wind, fire, Water is one of them. And Jesus spoke about the Holy Spirit coming, and he used two words. I wonder if anybody knows what they were. Those are much harder ones. Esther might know one of them. Paraclete. Oh, my word. Well, <laughs> you have to remind me what paraclete is, Nancy. It was to come alongside us. Fantastic. So is that the same as comforter? Fantastic. That was one of my words. Paraclete comforter. Absolutely. That whole idea, Jesus said, I'm not going to be with you, but the Holy Spirit will come as a comforter, as the paraclete, to come alongside you and be with you. And Jesus used another word, counsellor, which wasn't somebody that you sit like on a psychiatrist's bed and tell me all your problems. The counsellor was going to lead you in the right way. So Jesus and, uh, said, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit will lead you. So when we need direction in our lives, we can call upon the Holy Spirit. Now there was another image that is used by the Celts. I'm a Celt. And the Iona community have this image as their logo. I wonder if anybody knows what the Iona community... The goose. The wild goose. And the wild goose is untamable, free, and unpredictable. I love that. Because the Holy Spirit can be untamable, free, and unpredictable. Sometimes we want to experience the Spirit in a really gentle way. Like the dove just coming down really gently, touching me and thinking me, I'm so serene. And then other times we want the Holy Spirit to come in this unpredictable way. But that's quite unnerving. Because what is the Holy Spirit going to do in our lives? What's going to happen? The Holy Spirit is so much. And with the power of the Holy Spirit, we can know Jesus in our lives. We can know the fruits of the Spirit. We can know the gifts of the Spirit. And we can ask daily to know the Holy Spirit in our lives. I love John Sentime. He talked about Jesus giving him the gift of joy. Joy is one of the fruits of the Spirit. And I watched that earlier in the week and I thought, what a wonderful gift to pray for. To pray to know joy in our lives. Why? So that we're happy? No. He said, I want to know joy in my life so that I'm bubbling up with love for Jesus that spreads out to other people. Because the disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit, not just for their own sake, but in order that others might know Jesus. And in our time between ascension and pentecost we've been praying thy kingdom come we've been praying that more and more people will come to know jesus we've got names here that we put up last week we've had people praying in the church through the week hopefully you've been praying at home for maybe five friends to come to know jesus it is through the power of the holy spirit that jesus is made known but how wonderful that we can ask to be filled with the Holy Spirit every single day. In whatever way we choose. Sometimes we say, Holy Spirit, come. And leave it up to the Holy Spirit as to how he comes to us. Sometimes we actually want to say, Holy Spirit, I need you in my life. I need to know you as as counsellor. 
to show me the way because I've got a big decision to make. I need to know you as water in my life because I'm feeling like my life's a mess and I need to be cleansed. And I need to know that you give me life because I'm feeling dry. Sometimes we need to know the power of the Spirit as fire or as wind that blows and is powerful because we're feeling weak and vulnerable. And we need to be bold and strong, not in our own strength, but in the strength of God through the power of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we need to pray for some of those fruits of the Spirit. Because I look at my life and think, am I filled with joy? And I think, truly, no, not desperately this week. And yet a sign that I'm filled with the Spirit is that I display joy. So I need to pray for joy. I need to pray for patience, kindness, gentleness, love, peace, self-control. All fruits of the Spirit that when displayed in my life reveal Jesus. Or I can pray for the gifts of the Spirit. That God will equip me through the power of the Spirit to do his work in a whole variety of different ways. So pray for the gift of hospitality when I'm feeling vulnerable and don't want to open up my front door. Pray for the gift of preaching when I need to speak. We can all pray for the gift of preaching because we all speak in different settings and speak of Jesus. Pray for the gift of understanding. Pray for the gift of of pastoral care. So many things we can come. And yet, how often do we do this? How often do we bow on our knees and say, Holy Spirit, come. Fill me afresh. It is so much easier to go out in our own strength. To go out and be the person that I think God has made me to be. I don't need you anymore, Holy Spirit, because, well, you've done an amazing work in my life and off I go. That's not what we say. But often the way we act is almost as if we are saying that. We need to bow on our knees and say, come, Holy Spirit, come. Fill me afresh. Fill me anew that I might know the love of Jesus in my life. That that might flow through me and out to those around me. Today is a good day to do that. Every day is a good day to do that. But Pentecost is a good day to do that. To ask for an aspect of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And that's why you've got a flame that you were given as you arrived. Because we're going to do that. We're going to put on um, a, a video. It's a song and there are words that will just show. There's no pictures. It's just the words of the song. And it's a song about the Holy Spirit. And as that plays... I want to invite you to to pray quietly, to pray to God that he might show you how today you might experience the Holy Spirit. Perhaps in a way you've never experienced him before. Perhaps in a way that you remember from long ago, but it's a distant memory. Perhaps in a way that you know you need to be equipped this week for something you're going to be doing tomorrow. Today is a good day to come and say, come Holy Spirit, come. So I'd like to invite you to, to write on your flame the way in which you would like to know the Holy Spirit today. And then as the music plays, just to come, and I'm going to put a basket down, and just to place it in the basket as your prayer that is saying, come, Holy Spirit, come. If you'd rather not come out of your seat, I'm sure some of the children will come and collect your flame and bring it forward. And when the, the video stops, we'll gather all these prayers up, and I will pray, come, Holy Spirit, come. So let's put the video on.
Spirit, we come to you today. We come to you in this place. We come to you remembering who you are. We come to you knowing that through you we can know the love of Jesus in our lives. Your holy presence with us. And we thank you. And we pray for more. More of your power. More of your presence. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come and flood us afresh. Fill us anew. That we may go out into the world filled with your love. And that that would spread through us and out to other people. So in whatever way we have written our prayers, would you come and fill us today. Fill us now. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come. 